Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. Turn with me, if you will, to the uh, book of Acts. We're going to start a new series, uh, and I don't know how long that series is going to last, but I will tell you this, uh, the book of Acts has 28 chapters, so it could be a while. But uh, yes, uh, indeed, it was a long evening, uh, early morning, um, and just first, let me, let, me thank you, let me thank each and every one of you and tell you how appreciative our Dane and I are of your, you know, your hospitality, your love, your concern for us. Uh, we certainly uh, do love you as well, and so uh, just know that we we appreciate you uh, just as much as we appreciate or you appreciate us as well. And so, so just know that, and uh, we we love each and every one of you, and and thank you, uh, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, and so, but uh, yes, we're going to start a new series, the Book of Acts. Uh, Lewis called me last night. It was about 9:45, and you know he had this, this, this. He was, he was, he was panicked. I could tell there was something wrong in his voice, and he, uh, he, he you know, he starts off with, and I can't even remember what he said, but there was all these things going through my mind. I, you know, I hated to call you and, and tell you this, and, and you know what I'm thinking? Whoa, okay, <laughs> all right, what did? did yeah, yeah, and he says, I love you, and he starts out with, I love you, but I, and I hated to call you and tell you this, and I'm thinking, okay, did the deacons meet? <laughs> what did I miss? Okay, so, so, and then he, then he goes into this, and he says, then he goes, there's been a, a disaster at the church, and I'm thinking, oh, goodness, what, the church burned down or something, and so then he goes on to tell me that, that, that we had trouble with the baptismal, and, you know, water's everywhere, and all those other things, and so... I came here and, and we got it cleaned up, and but that's why the baptismal was so cold this morning because <laughs> we didn't have time to, to you know, to turn it turn it on and things. And so, but I will say this too: I wear waders, so it didn't matter to me whether it was cold or not. But <laughs> just those that get baptized. But anyway, we we got it fixed, and I appreciate those individuals who were here uh, doing that as well and working hard to get that. Uh, done so we could work, uh, you know, get uh, services uh, moving forward and have baptism this morning. But uh, but it was a it was a a long night and an early evening, but it it all worked out. But so uh, so let's get back to what I began with. Uh, this series we're going to call this series the birth and expansion of the early church. So if you've got your Bible, turn to the book of Acts, uh, the Acts of the Apostles, or more appropriately, uh, the Acts of the Holy. Uh, spirit. We're going to be reading verses 1 uh, through 11. The book of Acts is actually kind of a, if you want to, you know, kind of talk about it, it, it acts, bridges the gap between the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
and the remainder uh, of the New Testament. And so uh, the reason it's, you know, they, they, they title it the Acts of the Apostles, but technically it's really the act of the Holy Spirit working in and through the Apostles as the early church uh, is birthed and as the early church begins to uh, flourish. In fact, there's three decades after the ascension of Christ, the church begins to explode. It explodes in size from this small group of Jewish believers to churches all over the Roman Empire and eventually churches all across the world, including us as well. And so all this originally took place through a group of Holy Spirit-filled and empowered believers, and the same is true today. When you look through, and as we walk through uh, the book of Acts, you're going to see these individuals who were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what I often want us to understand, church, is we have the same Spirit. We're empowered with the same Spirit. We have just as much power as those individuals did in the early church and as the early church began to grow. The problem is, is we don't use and allow the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. That's the problem. And so we're going to walk through uh, this and we're going to note that, again, this is uh, the the acts of the Holy Spirit working in and through those early believers. And as the church begins to grow at birth and it grows. And so if you found that uh, passage of scripture there, Acts chapter one, we're going to read verses one through eleven. If you would stand with me as we honor the reading of God's holy inspired word. Luke writes this, he says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He, that's Jesus, said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in the Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their side in verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Father, we come to you. Lord, thanking you for the glorious day that you've given and thanking you for this service, thanking you for this worship center, thanking you for the Spirit. Father, I pray that we are spirit-filled witnesses. Lord, that we're spirit-filled witnesses in our Jerusalem, in our Judeas, in our Samarias, and to the ends of the world. 
And Father, we've been given the promise. And we've been given the power. And so, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us understand that as we walk through the passage this morning, Lord, and we see that because we've been given the promise and because we've been given the power, we too can be the witnesses that you've asked us to be. Father, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I think you would agree with me when I make the statement that preparation is essential. I mean, whether it be taking a trip into the mountains in your car or uh, climbing the world's highest mountain, Mount Everest, preparation is essential. Now, obviously, those two activities, preparation is different in those two activities, but uh, preparation is needed nonetheless. I've never climbed Mount Everest, nor do I have the desire to climb Mount Everest, but I can imagine the preparation that goes into that kind of adventure. But I've taken a trip to the mountains. I've gotten my car and taken a trip to the mountains. But even in that, preparation is essential. First, I needed to make sure that the car was roadworthy. You know, it had all the oil changed and all the maintenance done uh, to it. Or better yet, the car was mountain worthy for those of you that have been up into the mountains. Next, we had to make sure that we had the route mapped out. Now, it's a little bit easier now that we have uh, GPS and all those other things, or maybe it was easier when we didn't have GPS, and maybe when we used maps and things. But we had to ra- ra- uh, get that route marked out so we'd know where we were going. Bags needed to be packed. We need to have the proper gear. We need to have things available. When you get in the mountains, the, the weather may change. It may get cold, and you come down, it may get hot. So we needed to have the things prepared that matched the weather. We need to have other necessities. We need to have food. We need to have water. We need to have bedding. But the point is this. We needed to be prepared for the adventure that we were going to take. And But even though we can prepare, we can prepare uh, to the nth degree, and many of us may even over-prepare, there still may be that lack of assurance. There still may be those questions, did I lock the house, or did I bring enough clothes, or did we bring enough food, or all the other things that we may deal with as we ask those questions, are we truly prepared for this adventure? Are we truly prepared for this trip? Now, I would imagine that the disciples may have been asking similar questions. Now, you remember This is in that 40-day period that Jesus has been resurrected and He's been uh, showing Himself to the disciples. He's been uh, doing things to to, to show them that He is indeed risen. And so many of these individuals saw Jesus be crucified. They, They saw Him be arrested. They scattered, but some of them saw Him. They saw Him die on that cross. They saw Him be buried. They saw Him resurrected. But there was still some apprehension in these individuals, I can imagine. They're probably thinking to themselves, okay, what next? What next? What's going to happen now? And so there should have, may have been some apprehension in these individuals. But it was during this time that Jesus began to make final preparations to his disciples for their witness. Jesus was soon going to be taken up. He was soon going to ascend to the right hand of the Father And these individuals need to be prepared. 
They needed to be prepared, and that's what Jesus does. It's the proclamation of the message of the gospel. It was transitioning from Jesus now to his service. It would be their responsibility for the teachings of the truths of the faith for this newly formed church. It would fall squarely on their shoulders. The sandals were certainly big shoes to fill. Jesus was leaving. Apprehension, fear, uncertainty must have been on the minds of Jesus' followers as they stood there on the Mount of Olives, knowing that their Lord and their Savior was going to ascend to heaven and knowing that it was going to be their responsibility to carry the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to Jerusalem, to Samaria, to Judea, and to the ends of the world. So here's your point this morning, church. Jesus assured his disciples they would be prepared to be witnesses to the world through the promised Holy Spirit. And so us as Christians, listen, we're prepared. We're prepared to be witnesses for Christ. We're prepared because we have also the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you this, that is all you need. That's all you need. So we're going to see two things this morning. Jesus prepared the apostles with two essential resources to carry on those teachings. We're going to see those in two assurances in our passage this morning. Number one, it's the assurance of a promised presence. Look at verses 1 through 3. In the first book, O Theophilus. Now, Theophilus, we don't know who this individual was. Luke doesn't tell us who it was. It may have been an individual who financed Uh, Luke's ministry or finance the work of the apostles we don't know it could have been an important Roman official but we know that the book of Luke and the, the book of Acts were both written to this individual he says I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit now keep that in mind through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen He presented himself alive to them after the suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So after this brief introduction, Luke begins to recap the teachings of Jesus. Jesus taught the message to his disciples. He taught the content of the Christian faith. He taught the details of the gospel message. Jesus performed miracles. He taught in parables. And these disciples had seen Jesus do many of these miracles. They'd seen Jesus and heard Jesus teach in these parables. Luke's here is establishing the message. These individuals knew the message. They knew the message. Jesus taught in deed and in word. Jesus visibly appeared to his followers during these 40 days. And so this would give the apostles boldness to preach the gospel. Listen, you know the message. You know the gospel. You've seen the miracles. You've heard the parables. You know that I taught in word and in deed. So he reminds his readers here, Luke does, of of the constant and intimate interaction that Jesus had with his disciples as he walked with them and as he taught them, even to the day before he was taken up, the day of his ascension. All this, all this was in preparation for his ascension. All this was in preparation for the coming of the promise, the promise of that Holy Spirit. It was preparation for finishing the work of the Lord. 
Listen, just because Jesus was leaving, just because Jesus was going to ascend to heaven, the work needed to be done. The master was leaving, but the servants, the disciples, those learners, those followers needed to carry on the gospel method. Listen, if you're sitting here in this room this morning and you've been saved, you've trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, you can thank these individuals right here in the book of Acts. We can thank them. We can thank them for their boldness. He, Luke hints to, to the promise here in the, in the last part of verse 2. He says, uh, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice something about this. This is Jesus talking. He says, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, church, was the source and the power of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Do you realize it was the Holy Spirit who was working in and through Jesus to do the things that Jesus did? Was Jesus God? Yes, Jesus was God. But it was the Holy Spirit. It says right here, through the Holy Spirit. He was given these commands through the work of the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.22, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. (laughs) Does it not amaze you that the same Spirit that worked in and through My Savior and your Savior is the same Spirit that lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. The same Spirit. One commentator says our Lord was obviously in perfect accord and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Yet at the moment of his baptism, Scripture says, Heaven was opened opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. This is emblematic of the fullness of power he would receive from the Spirit to do his early work. And if you remember that passage, when Jesus is taken into the wilderness to be tempted, he was full of the Spirit. That's what Scripture says. Jesus was full of the Spirit when he was taken into the wilderness. But this is also a beautiful picture for believers Same spirit, church. Same promise. Same presence. Same power. What more do you need? What more do you need? Verse 4 and 5, it gives us the why. The promise that they would shortly receive in verses 4 and 5, he says, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus told his his disciples, listen guys, hang out right here. Hang tight. Hang tight because there's something coming. There's something you're going to need. There's some, something that's part of this preparation that you're going to need to carry this message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Why do you think Jesus said this? Because he knew 
the persecution that was going to come. He knew the issues that were going to come. He knew that without the presence and the promise, without without the promise, which was the presence of the Holy Spirit, these guys couldn't do anything. He couldn't, they couldn't do anything. And so they were to wait. They were to wait for the promise of the Father. This was a promise, church, if you remember, was repeated over and over and over again in Jesus' earthly ministry. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Luke twenty four forty nine. And behold, I'm, sta- I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. John fourteen sixteen, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. That helper was the Holy Spirit to be with you forever. Jesus is assuring the apostles, assuring the disciples of the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he's assuring us as well. The same spirit that John the Baptist clearly articulated in Luke chapter 3 verse 16. John answered them around him saying this, I baptize you with water. He baptized with, with, with water uh, repentance for the forgiveness of sin, John did. But he who is mightier than I, the, the strap of his sandals, I am not even worthy to untie. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. They were to wait. Hang on, guys. Hang on. Hang on. There's something greater coming. Now, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, he was part of that old economy. He baptized with repentance and the forgiveness of sin. He was a precursor to Jesus. He prepared the way for Christ. He got the people's hearts right for Jesus. But when Jesus would come, he would bring in that new economy. He would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And this would, of course, occur ten days later at Pentecost. And we'll see that in chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2. Now, something to keep in mind here. Up until this point, if you remember, the apostles and the, the believers, they had not been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the indwelling of the Spirit up until this point. So they were given a unique enabling of the Spirit for their special duties. You know, the, the, they had been sent out to, to they could they could heal the the sick and they could they could cast out demons and all those other things. But they were given the enabling of the Spirit for those special duties. The baptism of the Spirit, one commentator says, occurred in uncommon ways prior to conversion. Conversion occurred at Pentecost. When they were indwelt with the Spirit immediately upon conversion. So they were told to wait. They were told to wait to receive the promise. This is important again because the promise received, which was the baptism of the Spirit, the indwelt uh, Spirit, that accompanied conversion would initiate the birth of the early church. Once the Spirit came, once those individuals were indwelt, that's when the beginning of the church, period, arrives. The birth of the church. We see in that passage there, later on, 3,000 were added to the church after Peter preached that first sermon. It would be at this moment 
The promise would be fulfilled. The presence of the Spirit would be received. The apostles and all believers now and then would be assured to continue the work of the mission. I'm a uh, Bad News Bears fan. I love that movie. I love all that, all all Bad News Bears. But Morris Buttermaker, if you know anything about that, he was a washed-up alcoholic baseball player who was a pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, but he got kicked out of the league for attacking an umpire. But he works as an exterminator. He's rude, he's crude, and he's socially unacceptable if you've seen the movie. Well, he's hired by Liz Whitewood to coach the Bad News Bears, that children's baseball team. They had no skills. They were terrible. All right. In fact, when they play their first game, they don't even make an out. They don't even make an out before uh, Buttermaker forfeits the game. The entire team begins uh, to want to quit, but Buttermaker, he he, he persuades them uh, from quitting, and he promises to be a better coach. This dude was terrible. If you've seen that movie, he was a poor role model. But in the meantime, two more players are eventually added to the roster. A girl by the name of uh, Amanda Wertlitzer, she was a skilled pitcher, and an individual named Kelly Leak. Kelly was a troublemaker, but he was a solid hitter. Once those two players were added, it was then that the Bears began to start winning. They eventually made it uh, to the championship, but they lost 8-7. to seven. Those two players, Amanda and Kelly, added to that team, gave the Bad News Bears just what they needed to have a chance to win that championship. Without those two players, they were nothing. Without those two players, they were useless. But as those two players were added to that team, it gave them the ability, it gave them the opportunity to win a championship. Without the Holy Spirit, church, we're powerless. We're useless. But with the Holy Spirit gives us an opportunity for Jesus to change the world through us. John chapter 1, verse 33. I myself do not know him. This is John the Baptist. But the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So upon believing in Jesus, repenting of our sins, and confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord, we're immediately indwelt with the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, the presence of God and the believer. And this promised Spirit gives the assurance that we can take gospel to the nations. It's that promised Holy Spirit. There's a second assurance, though, this morning I want you to notice. The assurance of the provided power. Verses 6 and 7. So when they came together, they asked the Lord, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. The disciples may have been a bit bit misguided here. They didn't still fully grasp the purposes of Jesus. They asked that question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, this was a legit question because they knew that he would eventually restore the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel. They may have concluded this from the resurrection and the promise 
of the Spirit that the Messianic era had dawned and the final salvation of Israel was imminent. You read through Ezekiel chapter 36 and Joel chapter 2, both connect the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the subsequent coming of the kingdom. So they were legit in asking their question, yet a bit misguided. A lack of focus maybe for these individuals. Maybe that, that, that uh, you know, disturbance of knowing that Jesus was about to ascend. Maybe all that had added to their discomfort. They, they no doubt longed for the kingdom. They no doubt longed for all this to take place. But they were misguided in their questions. But notice what Jesus says. He says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed. In verse 8. In verse 8, he says this, but. Jesus redirects their thinking here. Don't worry about that stuff, guys. That stuff's going to happen. It's going to come. It's going to happen. But until that time, this is what I need you to do. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 8 is the central theme. It provides the outline for the entire book of Acts. It provides the assurance that that they will not uh, complete uh, the mission until they have the power to do the mission, to complete the mission. This comes in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It says you'll receive power. That word power, it's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. It's where we get our English word dynamite. The power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, uh, some commentators say all believers will have spiritual dynamite to use their gifts, to go in service, to fellowship and witness for the Lord. This was not a political or a military power. It's a promise power also. Notice, you will receive. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, if you become a a, a follower, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you will receive the power to be witnesses for Jesus. You will receive. So there's an assurance there. Notice also, this is a supernatural power. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The source of that power is the Holy Spirit. The source is the Holy Spirit. It's a power that comes from without and not a power that comes from within. Oftentimes what we try to do, particularly as a church, is we want to do things in our own strength and in our own power. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to work. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to move. And although our Things that we do in our own strength are oftentimes successful. What we fail to recognize is they could be infinitely more successful if we would allow the Spirit to do it. Allow the Spirit to work in and through us. The Spirit was the source. This power was also a comforting power. It has nothing to do with our natural abilities. Listen, you just... Just think about the apprehension to share the gospel. Think about the apprehension to witness. If I didn't have the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit that gave me the boldness to share my faith, I wouldn't open my mouth. I wouldn't open my mouth. It's a comforting power. I don't have the ability. I don't have the skills to do those things. 
It's also a power that provides the ability to fulfill the mission. And you will be my witnesses. Witnesses are those who see something and they tell others about it. Are you a witness? Can I get a witness? David Jeremiah says that a lot. Can I get a witness? I don't know. Can you? Do I have any witnesses? These are those who bear witness to the truth of the gospel. What are we witnessing to? We're witnessing to to Jesus. We're witnessing to the life, the burial, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're witnessing to. witnessing to the cure for hell. We're witnessing to the cure for destruction. His name is Jesus. And notice also, this is a power that's not given a choice in it. He said, you will be. You don't have a choice. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit. You do not have a choice. You can't say, I don't want it. Well, you can. But you're not a follower of Jesus Christ if you do. As believers, we're both witnesses of and witnesses for the gospel. We're witnesses of the gospel because you and I have been transformed by the gospel. And because we're witnesses of the gospel, we want to be witnesses for the gospel. And we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is our local vicinity, our families, our friends, our neighborhoods, Norman Park, in all of Judea. Judea there, it's our neighboring areas. Cockwood County, the surrounding counties. Samaria, Samaria is our neighboring areas further still. State and all that. And all this is broken down as we walk through the book of Acts. And then he ends with, and to the ends of the earth. Now here's the thing. Some people say, well, I'll never be a missionary in Africa. I'll never be a missionary here. I'll never be a missionary there. But let me tell you this. Imagine yourself sharing the gospel with an individual right here in Norman Park, right there in your neighborhood, maybe in your front yard. That individual gets saved. That individual doesn't live around here. Maybe they live in Africa. You know what's going to happen? That individual is going to take that gospel message back to Africa, and that message is going to extend to the ends of the earth. Because you decided to share the good news of the gospel right there in your front yard, whatever street you live on. We can't be witnesses without it, church. We can't be witnesses without this power. Think about a world-class athlete without proper training and preparation. A world-class athlete is nothing. He's nothing. One commentator says, Acts reveals God's passionate pursuit of his people, beginning with his followers in Jerusalem, expanding to Samaria, then to the rest of the Roman world. By the end of the book, we see Paul living in Rome, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Why? Because Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit.
the same Spirit that you're filled with, the same Spirit that I'm filled with. And there was opportunity for salvation for all, which is exactly why Jesus came, the whosoevers, the whosoevers. The same power working in the witness is the same power working uh, in the one being witnessed to. The power for salvation is through the Holy Spirit. We have just been called to act upon that. We've been called to be His witnesses. Verses 9 through 11. And when He had said these things and they were looking on, He was lifted up and a cloud took Him out of sight. Jesus ascended back to heaven. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Oh, and by the way, guys, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. But in the meantime, we're to be his witnesses. In the meantime, we're to bring as many people into the kingdom of God as possible as we share the good news of the gospel, as we witness through the end, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit. We can be assured. This is just another assurance. Listen, you see Him go, but He's coming back. He's coming back, but you're not to sit on your hands. You're not to sit soaking sour in the green pews of Southside Baptist Church. You're to get out there, do the work that I've asked you to do. The story is told of a man who bought a vehicle. This was his dream vehicle. He had saved for years to purchase this vehicle. It was the right color. It had the right trim, the perfect kind of trim. And it had just the right features. But the man had not been given all the information that he had needed. After he had made the purchase. For the man had not been told that the vehicle had an engine. And that engine was used to power that vehicle. So everywhere the man went, he went happily yet painfully because he pushed that car, his dream car, that car with the right color, that car with the right trim, and all the right features. He pushed it everywhere he went. Finally, one day, a friend stops the man and he asks what the man is doing. The man replied that he was on his way to work. The friend then asked the man why he was pushing the car instead of using the key to start the car and let the engine power the car instead of using his legs. The man was amazed. He was astonished. He had no idea. When that man realized the power of that car was not in his ability to push the car, but in the engine under the hood, he was able to accomplish so much more than he ever imagined and to go places that he ever knew he could go. And he loved that car even more. Listen, church, without the presence of the Spirit, we have no ability to do what God has asked us to do. But the engine in me and you is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to do one of two things. We're going to either use our abilities or we're going to allow the power of that engine inside you and inside me to take control. And we're going to do things, church, that we had never, ever dreamed that we could do. Never, ever dreamed. Romans 1.16 
Paul writes this, and this should be our life for us. Listen, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The power of our witness comes directly from the presence of the Spirit. The same power. Listen, listen. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave is the same power that lives in you and in me if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is a powerful engine. What are you going to do with it? What are you doing with it? So as we close, church, you already prepared. You already have the power within you. You already have the presence and the power of the Spirit. You just need to be the witnesses that God has called you to be. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you're not a member of this church and you'd like to be a member of this church. There's some requirements there, some, some things you'd have to work out. But we can talk about that. But if, if that's you this morning, come down and we'll discuss that. We'll talk about that. Maybe you're here this morning and this is something I neglect to do. Maybe you're here this morning and God is working on you. You're a follower of Jesus Christ and, and, and you're trying to discern the will of God and maybe He's calling you into some sort of Christian ministry. I don't know. Maybe He's calling you to be a missionary somewhere. Maybe He's calling you to go witness to the ends of the earth. Maybe He's calling you outside of your Jerusalem to, to your Judea and your Samaria. I don't know, but maybe you need to talk about that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never, ever, ever put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. You don't have the power because you don't have the presence. You don't have the power because you don't have the promise. But we can change that. We can change that. You're not prepared because... You don't have the assurance of the promise. You don't prepare because you don't have the power. Well, how do I get that, preacher? What does that even look like? Well, it's simple. It's simple. The, the simplest way that I like to illustrate the message of the gospel is the ABCs. If you've ever been a part of Vacation Bible School, you know what the ABCs are. If a kid can understand it, an adult can understand it too. What's A? A means that we admit. What are we admitting? We admit that we're a sinner. We admit that we're a sinner and we admit that there's nothing that you and I can do in and of ourselves and our natural abilities to remedy that. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, because we have fallen short, the wages, what we earn, what we deserve is death. Now, we're all going to die physically, but Paul's reminding us that that's a spiritual death. A spiritual death. Then you go on to the B. What does B mean, preacher? It means believe. Believe in what? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. John 3.15, it says that whoever believes in Him may what? Have eternal life. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus did come. He came to die on that cross. He came for one purpose, and that purpose was to die. For who? For you and for me. 
to give us the opportunity to have our sins forgiven and have eternal life. We disbelieve. And C is confess. What are we confessing? One, we're confessing that we are a sinner. We're also confessing that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Paul says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess and believe. Confess and believe. It's not about works. It's not about being baptized. It's not about helping the poor. It's not about all those other things. All those other things come after you confess and you believe. It's part of your works. That's part of your fruits. He goes on, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So my question this morning is this. Have you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you are, let me celebrate that with you today. But let me ask you this, follower. Are you being a witness? Maybe you're here and you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, personal Lord and Savior. It's as simple as confessing. Admitting that you're a sinner. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God and He came to die on that cross to save you from your sins and confess that. And confess that means that you confess it with your mouth. It's also a public uh, confession. You come down and you, you pray for Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. Whatever it is, church, the decisions need to be made this morning. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.